Good morning and welcome to this morning's live, Enter the Field of Inner Knowing. And with me today, I've got Julie Foobster all the way from, where is it you live, Julie? <laughs> In Perth. Perth Other is side of the country. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. So yeah. Julie and myself and Jennifer Main, who was on last week, are going to be doing a tour of Scotland with the Goddess Gathering um, and the theme is Enter the Field of Inner Knowing. Now the three of us have been put together by something <laughs> and um, we are going to be bringing our very unique angles um, of, around health, healing, community um, and we're going to, it's going to be the three of us on day one of all the goddess gatherings and and then we're bringing in people from the local area for the sunday but all under this idea that what the the information that we all are seeking is actually within us and how that's okay to say that it's a kind of almost sounds a bit hippy dippy you know, theory but what we want to do is really bring you techniques protocols ideas and inspiration of how you can be to your intuition and tap into that place where you're getting where you can that you can trust and your intuition will be given different information from everyone else's so julie let's just have a brief overview of your story because you've had quite a fascinating journey and we've done a, a podcast and a live actually for people that want to hear your full story and your mm -hmm. journey with breast cancer um they can go and back and hear that but just give for people that have not met you before just give a brief overview and then we will um go into the, the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure so i was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer at the early part of 2020 just when everything was kicking off with covid and lockdown and things like that and um i had previously well i was a coach before that i'd previously done a lot of you know work <laughs> on myself I had thought um, and, you know, I was constantly from from being young, was always trying to find a better way of of being in this, you know, um, in this life. And so that sort of sent me off in lots of different directions. But it wasn't really until I was diagnosed that I properly started looking at all the aspects of of my life and realized, you know, there was a lot of things that I wasn't listening to. I wasn't paying attention to. Um, and one of the things you'll hear in the in the podcast that we did was this intuition that came through to me that something wasn't right, you know, but it actually came through as a voice and, you know, basically told me I had cancer, but I completely dismissed it. Um, thankfully, I didn't dismiss it for too long. And I think it was maybe a couple of months afterwards. And then I found a, found a lump and then, you know, um, went and got the treatment. So I've done all the conventional treatment. Um, and, you know, I would never poo-poo that, you know, because it's, 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 I think it's necessary in some circumstances. Um, but what I found through this journey is that there's so many other things that we can be doing um, to help ourselves. And, you know, one of my sort of main missions now is like helping people do that before <laughs> they end up in a state of disease, you know. It's like, what can we do now that can improve our health and well-being so exactly yeah. and i think mm -hmm. i remember when my cousin was diagnosed and you know she she actually was very honest she said to me i know everything you're telling me is true 
Mm-hmm. I just have an apathy. And I know when I spoke to Angela Trainer, Angela had just lost her dad and she said she just didn't have it in her to navigate the overwhelm of, you know, choosing to go alone. So she put her, her hands into the arms of the help that we have available right now. So we know that that is you know, relevant for some people. But given, and we were, I don't like even putting out stats about how many people are likely to get breast cancer, but we know it's very prevalent. And really, we want to be doing what we can to prevent it. Mm-hmm. I, I, choose, I see it in two ways. Things that we can do to prevent it to the best of our ability, although I'm not entirely sure we ever make the changes until we get the big loud bang in the head. Yeah. Also, if that day was to come where you were to get that diagnosis, that you don't have any fear. You have a much greater understanding of how the body stores toxicity mm-hmm. and what, what, what the body needs in order to balance. Whether you're going to take conventional treatment and do a bit yourself, you know, or mix both, you know, it yeah. really, I think the, the better <coughs> you have with the body, mm-hmm. regardless, it's not just breast cancer, but any stretch of the imagination there's a ton of autoimmune diseases going on right now which we won't go into why that is but the, the harsh reality is an awful lot of people are sick and not feeling great and struggling mm-hmm. so everything no no matter what the label or the name of the disease is I think your journey it's it's not so much about the labels it's about how you navigated it mm-hmm. can you just talk about the fear, because I know that, you know, getting a cancer diagnosis can be terrifying. Some people are not terrified, just naturally, I don't know why, but a lot of people just knocks their world sideways. Mm-hmm. So what, what, do you think there's a better way they could tell you? Yeah, or, do you know, I think one of the, one of the issues is, and I'd love to see this changing, is big, bigger charities, you know, and I understand, um, that they're all doing good work um but a lot of what they pr- project out is fear-based that's what it seems to me that's what i see that's what i always saw growing up is the adverts for cancer charities and you just it looks awful really awful and so there's just a lot of stuff that's in our subconscious before years and years and years before we ever get to that point of being diagnosed ourselves, and that sort of comes to mind i think you know and, you know, we have seen other people that have died of cancer, of our friends, family, things like that. And as an outside observer, none of that looks good. You know, none of it does. So I totally get it. And, you know, you're standing there at the start line, just absolutely full of fear and dread, which is one of the things that's going to hinder our progress, you know. Um, well, I think at a very basic level, when we're in that fight or flight state, the IQ drops because the body's going into a different state for a different yeah. action mm-hmm. and you know and then so that's why we're always saying learn this stuff when you don't need it yes Be prepared you know prepare for the worst expect the best <laughs> prepare yeah. for the worst yeah I mean so it's I not just our IQ it drops it's our, our immune system and everything you know all the things that we actually need at that point um yeah goes into sort of hibernation so yeah it, it it's difficult but I think one of the main things I work with people with is obviously that fear thing. Um, and when I was diagnosed, I had to really sit in that fear and just kind of, you know, there's nowhere to go. You can't run from fear. And this is a mistake that we make a lot is we try and get rid of it. We try and block it. 
we don't want to look at it because we think fear in in of itself is going to hurt us. You know, it's not, you know. And once we understand what fear is and why it's there, we can have a much better relationship with it. So this is what I work with people um, on a lot of the time. It's just understanding what that fear is. And it's basically like a reptilian brain, you know, it's coming up with all of the things in our environment that might be a risk to us. And it's trying to protect us. But it doesn't always get it right. You know, that's the thing. So it's all about, you know, you were um, talking earlier, I think, about your your beliefs and your thoughts and things. And is it true? And that's one of the things that I speak to people about as well with this fear part, you know. Is it true? You know, they might give you some sort of prognosis. Is that true? Who can know that? Who can know the absolute truth of that? Nobody. Well, as yeah. Deepak Chopra says, take the diagnosis, but never take the prognosis. Exactly. Yeah. No, nobody knows. And it's the same with like eat the great diet. By of course we recommend that. But if you're eating it being resentful and angry and raging and carrying a lot, it doesn't the diet's not enough. You know, yeah. so we, and we need to help people understand the holistic overview that you know that the body actually is, which is the biofield, which you'll get to see at the goddess gathering. Yeah. And you know, and the body and the mind, it's it's all of that. Mm-hmm. It's the relationships, it's the internal, it's the gut, it's, you know, it's how the, well the information can flow in and out of the body, how our, our roots of elimination, there's no one thing, and it's not no. like vitamin C, yeah, vitamin C is a great antioxidant, but mm-hmm. if you're, that's the only thing you're doing, <laughs> it's not going to work. No. You have to. And, you know, maybe you can talk to this because I know that it's something that it crosses my mind as well is like, how much do we need to do protocols? You know, I'm a big one for it. What are your protocols? What are your daily practices going to be to get this body back into symbiosis, harmony? And it's and there's just that fear, am I doing enough? And it's yeah. almost like, how much can I cheat and still get the result? <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So how, and that's fear as well, isn't it? It's that. Yeah. There's a total lack of trust in the body's ability to heal especially if somebody else that we perceive to be smarter or better educated or whatever about our body than we are just crazy when you think about it we're living inside it yeah we're the one that's having the experience and we actually ask somebody else what is happening in this body mm-hmm. yeah I mean, everybody's looking for that one thing, the silver bullet that's going to fix something, and they're looking for it outside of themselves. And so, you know, it's never going to work like that, unfortunately. So we really need to be able to tap into the information that's in here and what's right for us. But, yeah, that whole what do I need to do? Um, and and I just think that word just in itself just makes you feel a little bit, eh, what more stuff to do. Got to do more stuff you know and it becomes really difficult for people so I like to sort of flip that on its head and think rather than what do I need to do it's like well who are you going to be like who do you have to be in order to live the life that you really want to live you know it's not necessarily because we're so good already at doing stuff we just do stuff all the time and we never take the time to just sort of sit and figure out who we're being how are we showing up so who do you have to be in order to be healthy and happy? Who do you have to be in order to beat cancer? You know, 
and just ask ask those sort of questions. Yeah, because it's always it's all about shifting your perception. Yes. Because our thinking gets stuck in these grooves and they're not usually helpful. Mm-hmm. It's very, very easy to imagine the worst case scenario. And of course, when you go into fight or flight, that's what the body's doing. It's going, right, well, here's death over here. Now, how do I navigate my, myself away from that yeah. potential? Mm-hmm. So although it's quite a genius um, that helped us when we lived in the jungle, now, of course, people are, you know, it takes over their life. A friend of mine said, I knew cancer would affect my body, but I had no idea what it would do to my mind. And I think yeah. that's quite cool as well. Um, yeah. That learn and how to, and I mean, I personally believe we're here to learn to master the mind <laughs> because mm-hmm. the body follows. That's the hilarious thing. And we all kind of intrinsically know that. You know, if I think I'm going to go to the toilet, then the body, you know, next thing I'm going to the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a very simplistic way of it. But if you say, well, I'm, you know, show me the way to mm-hmm. heal and, you know, having guides and coaches and people. But do you find that if, because um, I kind of find this, people want to go around and ask a whole load of different people what the answers are, hoping they'll find yeah. something a wee bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a way that I don't need to give up wine and bread and potatoes? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's true, yeah. And then something you said, something in what you said there, um, it made me think of this sort of point that we're all trying to avoid death. And, you know, especially when we get a cancer diagnosis, our life becomes about avoiding death rather than truly living, you know, and that's the main thing, you know, the, the main sort of subject and all the stuff I do, the main thread is like, how are you going to truly live your life you know we shrink everything down to this avoiding death and we forget to look at all the things that bring us joy and um forget to be in alignment with who we are and these are the things that are actually gonna help heal us but we get rid of them and we think listen that's cool right what you're saying i get that but let me just wait until i've got rid of this cancer first and then i'll and then i'll do this and then i'll be happy and then i'll work in these things and it's like no this is what we need to do now you know absolutely and you know I'm working with a fascinating human right now she's absolutely incredible and you know she she said I'm still the same person don't treat me any differently um you know look because it's almost like pre-diagnosis you're you and then post-diagnosis everything and everybody changes around you Mm-hmm. And that's quite challenging. Did you find that? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, people, uh, do you know, it was kind of, it's a bit different because I was right in the middle of COVID. And so there was an awful lot of, mm-hmm. you know, introspection and a lot of time just being on my own with it because, you know, other people couldn't be here sort of thing. So I didn't see that an awful lot, but I know that it happens, you know, and it's one of the difficult things to sort of navigate as well as like other people's um, emotions around a diagnosis, you know, um, and try to stay in your own lane because other people around you are terrified for you. Absolutely, because it's your whole family gets affected. Everybody's scared. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's completely normal, but yeah. I think maybe we all need a wee bit of education and how to be a lot less heavy around these things and and mm-hmm. know that we, we can either kind of add to the weight or we can help lift people up 
And that can be challenging, obviously, if it's depending on the, the story around the diagnosis or the prognosis. But mm -hmm. I, I think we all, we have to listen to the person um, who's actually dealing with it and make sure yeah. that we're, and ask, you know, because I think Sophie Sabaz, she did a, in her book, um, Cancer Whisperer, she did a um, an email to her inner circle because she got a really heavy diagnosis, a, a prognosis, and, and they said she would be probably only live three months. Mm -hmm. She actually lived about five years after that, which is quite a lot compared to three months. Yeah. And she wrote a course, and she was I met her a couple of times. She's quite an amazing woman, mm -hmm. um, and she said, you know, because she everybody thought well, she's going to die. They didn't. They just didn't know what to do. Some people avoided her, mm -hmm. so she just wrote an email to everybody in, in, in her inner circle and said, "Don't say this. Do say this." make me food and put it in the freezer, bring me fresh juice, take me for a massage. These are all, this is all the things that you can do that to help me at this really challenging time. So, yeah. You know, probably as a coach, that's something that you would recommend. I think people yeah. want to help and they don't know what to say. They're not deliberately saying mm. the wrong thing. I know a friend of mine in Malta, her uncle said to her, you're, you're like a piece of fruit that looks, the skin looks okay, but it's rotten in the inside. Mm -hmm. oh, wow! Don't. Jeez. Don't, don't think out loud. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point because a, a lot of people want to help, but they just don't know what to do. And if you can sit down and and kind of have figure out what it is that you might need help with, you know, one of the first things that I knew I was going to struggle with was um was food because at, like. I've just never been that great at planning what I'm going to eat and making sure I've got all the ingredients and stuff for it. It's just never been something that I've been good at, you know. I go into a supermarket, I freeze, and I just don't know what I'm doing there anymore, you know. So I ask my sister because I know she's brilliant at that sort of thing. So it's things like that, right? Who have you got in your circle that might be really good at something you know so she sent me um menus and a shopping list and stuff like that and that was a great help but one thing I'd say maybe to to not do is just say hey if you need anything just give me a shout because then it's putting the onus back on the person to then sort of you know like yeah it, it's just putting more stress on that person so if there's you're something to ask for help especially. exactly you don't so if there's something you yourself think well i could offer this then just say that in a message you know i don't know if this is helpful to you but i can you know drop you off i'm going past your way every wednesday i can drop off some shopping is that of use yes it is brilliant it just takes it away from that person if they're unable to think about what it is that they they need help with uh -huh. And, you know, people do want to help. And I think back in the day, you know, when we were getting brought up in our little housing scheme, my mum used to be out. She knew everybody and she'd be out. She'd make scones. She'd take some to this one, take some to that one. If somebody wasn't well, every, you know, if you were at home and you knew everybody, these things, you automatically helped out. Oh, you're mm -hmm. not well and you get into hospital. I'll take the kids. I'll take the kids to school, you know. But the reality is people are working now might not even know your neighbours so we have to be we have to organise it in a slightly different way and I think most people will you know if they want to help you especially if, obviously if you're close um, mm -hmm. family etc and knowing exactly what to do just makes it a lot easier yeah and I've yeah. often thought you know 
when we get the Heal Scotland Healing Community Place, which I would like to be Bob Dylan's house in Cairngorm National Park. <laughs> yeah. um, it would be, you know, it'd be, ni- it'd be nice just to get the family along or the family and close friends so that everybody's mm-hmm. in the, the solutions yeah. and how we can all, because it's so much nicer to do it together. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this. He's been putting people into groups to support each other, and that's I'm definitely going to be doing that too. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And it is really hard. And I think the carers, you know, they kind of get a bit forgotten as well. It's like the people that are, um, you know, looking after people who are very, very sick, you know, and they're putting everything on hold, you know, for that person. And, um, and very rarely people will stop and ask them how they're doing, how are they coping. So I think that's part of it that's that's being missed as well, is really looking after the people that are at the forefront of Yeah, we have a brilliant charity here. Um, that it was a woman whose husband was diagnosed with motor neurons and she there was nowhere for her to go and nobody to mm-hmm. help her, whatever that means. She was floundering and um she set set up a charity which is now like mobbed, mm-hmm. uh, which is caring for the carers. So yeah. absolutely. And I think, you know, unless you have been caring for somebody probably don't really fully understand how hard it is no. I certainly did you know mm. you kind of think well you know what you actually it's a bit like when you have a new baby until you have one yourself you've got no idea how you can pass the first <coughs> thing not really do any very much else yeah. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to really quantify what you're doing mm-hmm. of course, it's the big emotional thing that's going on as well isn't it it's not just the physical making of the meals doing the shopping and all that stuff and visiting which can also be extremely exhausting but it's just how you're feeling emotionally and if there's yeah. a lot of around it's um, definitely and and the brave face that people are putting on it all as well you know if, if you're a carer the last thing you're going to do is sort of break down in tears in front of the person that's actually got the cancer you know so there's a lot of pushing down of emotions and then what happens to that after you know if they pass away or whatever what happens to that you know just yes yeah, yeah. Um, and that's really key. I think I always talk about it, like put the bin out, put the bin out every night, the emotional bin, because yeah. if you leave it all in there, you know what eventually is. Like, ignore that just now, ignore that just now, have another glass of wine, another coffee, buy something else, distract mm-hmm. yourself rather than go feel it, heal it, feel it, heal it, feel it, heal it, feel it, heal it. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. and that's, that's a whole new level of understanding as well. Um, you know, around how everybody is within the relationships and who's doing the most to help and who's doing the least to help. You know, there's all of that stuff going on as well, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of crazy as humans. And I think we really need to be discussing this kind of stuff as, um, you know, as we see what's needed in our communities. Mm-hmm. Get this stuff yeah. the carpet and say, look, it's okay to talk about it. Create mm-hmm. spaces where people can come and lay off steam because sometimes you do need to have a good you know lay off (laughs) because um you know that doesn't you don't want to be holding that in either no I found out at the weekend when I was at um at a retreat I found out there's such a thing as a rage room oh is it yeah and like so if you've got stuff you need to get rid of you can go to this rage room and it's set up like I don't know lots of different things but set up like a kitchen and loads of stuff and you can just go in and smash everything up (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway fantastic so 
I know that you you're like me. You're, there's always you're on to the next mm. new learning. I mean, I think you know we're living in such a phenomenally exciting time in terms of people that like to learn. Yeah. Because we can do it now we can do it in our own time. We can do a lot of it for free because there's so much information um, that you can gather online. You know, I do a lot of my breath work along with videos on YouTube because mm -hmm. it fits it in in my own time. I mean, a lot of people maybe don't have the financial capacity at this stage, you know, at this moment in time to lay out even 10, 15 pounds <coughs> a class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's so many different ways that we can do it now. And there's nothing nicer, obviously, than getting together with other human beings. But if you are, if you've got young children, you can't get out at night, you know, if you don't have a budget right now, there's ways that you can access all the great stuff, loads of letting go videos as well. So really, if you're if you're keen, then um, there's there's tons of stuff. But that kind of brings us to what we're going to be doing um, on our tour. Mm -hmm. which is really, what you know, what you and myself and Jen had talked about, which is it's like a mini retreat, giving people the tools. Yeah. You know, because we know people leave on the Sunday after a two day experience feeling great. They'll have made new friends. They'll have learned new stuff, and they'll be. They'll leave on a in a completely different vibration, um, but then obviously it's always like what happens when you get home, and mm -hmm. so our big message is of course that you are part of the field, you are in the field. That information is available to you, and working on the practicing the techniques mm -hmm. that we're going to teach you so that you can just become freer and freer and bring these techniques into your family or into your community so that we can really all work on this together, using mm. the Facebook group to really tribe everybody up to keep the momentum going. Because we've got Edinburgh on the 4th and 5th of November, then we've got Glasgow the two weeks later, mm. and then next year, February, we've got Dundee, Aberdeen, Inverness. So, and there'll be a few people coming to, you know, more than one of them. I know that, mm. that some people have bought tickets for one or two already. So it's a really affordable way to be able to access a lot of the power of the <coughs> that we will teach. Um, mm -hmm. You're just having a one-off session. I mean, the whole weekend's probably what you'd pay for most people for a, a starter session. So mm -hmm. it's a phenomenal way to get in, in amongst like-minded others, people in your demographic mainly, and then ability to um, uh, you know, use each other to maintain and keep up the momentum because it's, you know, I always say to people, oh, mostly what I'm doing is reminding you, remember, mm. remember, because that whole process of change, whether it's remember to breathe, did you try and breathe when you were stressed there? Did you let go? Did you tap? Mm -hmm. What did you have for your dinner? You know, so that you're, it's just that. And then eventually, you know, the behaviours become from conscious into the subconscious and how much easier it is, um, you know, when you know other people are doing it with you, because I think that's, the support network is key. Mm -hmm. Whether you're trying to heal or whether you're trying to lose weight or whether you're just trying to get, get yourself out of anxiety and depression, whatever it is you're trying to do, that's why things like Weight Watchers and that are successful. People, mm -hmm. people go, they get results because there's that kind of, we're getting together, we're accountable, we pay the money. <laughs> you know? I'm not saying yeah. people, you know, they stop obviously when they can't be bothered, but there's the that whole activity of getting together with like-minded others helps you to stay mm -hmm. up and keeps you on track. So tell us a little yeah. bit about what you're going to be offering at the Goddess Gathering. 
Well, I think firstly, there's just so, such a lot of misunderstandings around change or behavioural change and things like that. And we look out at other people and we see how they've changed and we think, well, they must be special in some way. And no, it's not that at all. And we think that it just is down to, um, um, you know, motivation, uh, willpower, all of these things. But it's actually the the rule that we it's not the exception it's the rule that we will fall off we will right <laughs> because we've been treading the, down this certain path for so many years we're so entrenched suddenly we take another path it's going to take a long time for that path to grow over you know and this new path to become a a, a, a path that we follow every day so if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, you know, last week I said that I wasn't going to have wine. I got to day three and I had a drink of wine. It's not the drink of wine on day three that's the issue. It's what we tell ourselves about what just happened that becomes the issue. We start telling ourselves stories about how I could never do this. I'm not that person, you know. I always fail and blah, 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 all that stuff. So that's the thing that I want to try and help people see, you know. Um, help people with these misunderstandings about who we are and you know one of the major things is our thoughts like yeah so we are not our thoughts but we we believe that that's who we are and this is where we get tripped up all of the time because your thoughts will just rabbit on about loads of different stuff but it doesn't mean that it's true yeah. exactly so the, yeah and one of the things that I work with people with is just that right at the beginning just say just all you want to try is observe the thoughts that you're having because if you can observe your thoughts and start playing about with them suddenly you realize that you're not the thought you know <laughs> if I can observe the thought and do something with it that means I'm not the thought the thought is just a byproduct of who we are it's just a byproduct so once we start seeing the truth of these things, it suddenly starts to become a little bit easier. So I'm just hoping to, you know, at the Goddess Gatherings, just bring some practical things in to help people see where they might be looking in the wrong direction, the misunderstandings that they might be having about the changes that they want to make and highlight some of the areas where they might be denying themselves, you know. Denial of self is one of the biggest things in disease. And you can hear people saying, oh, I don't deny myself anything. If I want that handbag, I'll have it. If I want this, I'll go and get it. But that's not what we're talking about. It's this information in here, you know. We might be on a path that is just not aligned at all to who we are, but that's based on what we believe we should through society, society's pressures or, you know, the beliefs of our family or whatever it is. It just some practical tools to allow us to unpick what these beliefs are and to find Fantastic. the path that we should be on, you know. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that myself. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, Michael Mosley's book, you know, a lot of the stuff that we people have said with great conviction aren't true. For example, you know, in actual fact, like, you know, you people that die a lot, for example, and I, I think that's an analogy a lot of people can understand. The more you try, the more likely you are to succeed, not fail. Mm -hmm. Because you just—it's obvious. The more you get back in the bike and try again, the more likely you are to be able to ride the bike. Mm -hmm. And so, 
this whole idea of, oh, I feel they're going to better give up, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Not the failure or the, the perception of failure that's the problem. It's the story that you then tell yourself and probably everybody else um, exactly. around it. Mm-hmm. And yourself. And I think, you know, that's that whole thing, this friend of mine that was telling me that he just found mindfulness. And I was just going, oh, my God, that's hilarious. Cause, and he was saying, you know, that's been there his whole life and he's never used it and how much yeah. easier is and you know we were saying this is why it has to be taught in schools yeah. but also I suppose at some level you have to be able to hear it and you have to be willing and open because so many people mm-hmm. it's difficult to to look at things a different way isn't it yeah and like I said earlier you know I've been I've been reading this stuff learning this stuff since I was early 20s right now there's a difference between intellectually understanding something and really knowing something and the information that you carry along with you 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 know it but like it'll take things in your life for it to really like become part of who you're being and I think for me, the cancer diagnosis was the thing that just started, everything just started clicking into place. Right, okay, I get that now. I get it. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, they say that <clears throat> in any form of addiction, the, the, we all have to go to that dark night of the soul. Mm. And all that the diagnosis can be the thing that takes you there. And that's when you just have to almost, at some state, we surrender. Right, okay. How am I going to how am I going to navigate back from this, yeah. rather than being overwhelmed and thinking that you're not good enough and judging yourself and all the stuff that we do? Um, I was just watching a woman who'd had fibromyalgia and how she eventually realised it was the emotional side, mm-hmm. changing her diet and doing all the things you know the the food and the exercise, which just often isn't enough yeah. because if the emotional side's not getting dealt with, it's so you know, and that's a lot of Roger Hammer's work. Hamer, however you say it, it's what's the mm. emotional root cause it can be very heavy um, because it is it's electromagnetic in nature and it's stored mm. in the body. And in our first uh, goddess gathering, we've got Joe Wolf. I don't know if you know Joe. She's coming to talk about mm. that very thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but we're all about the practical tools. Um, and the, I mean, to me, it's inspiration. You know. We're, we inspire. <laughs> That's what we have to do to stay alive. Hope, mm-hmm. you know, is the is there a potential for hope here? Is it possible that there's there's a different outcome? The best case scenario, the worst. Of course, there is. Yeah. There always miracles are happening every day. Um, mm-hmm. it's, again, the system can be quite heavy, and because we're giving so much of our power away to people we perceive that know better than us, and I think that's what's happening now. We're going, oh, wait a minute here. Yeah, body actually has been talking to me like you said you just didn't listen as I didn't listen to mine mm-hmm. actually you know it gets too loud for you to ignore yeah that's when and that's when we were like well let's not wait for that, <laughs> that mm-hmm. loud, loud knock yeah. where that batters your door down yeah let's start listening when it's just like I'm a bit tired there's a rash oh there's a mm-hmm. what's that telling us yeah so that we're like, oh, it's obvious what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And we just, yeah, people don't want to listen because of what that means afterwards. You know, once we see something, we can't unsee it. So 
people are frightened to look because then they might realize that they're actually in the wrong job, they're in the wrong relationship, they're in the wrong, you know, like, and there's so many things that they have to, if they are going to be in alignment with who they really are, there's things, there's changes that they have to make. And depending on how they've navigated their life so far, there might be other patterns that are very um, tricky for them, like people pleasing, for example, you know. Um, and so we stay stuck in places that we shouldn't be. Um, so, yeah, part of the work that both of us do is just supporting people through that, all the other stuff that comes with trying to make the changes. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage. And you've got to be honest, because so many people tell me so many stories. And I'm like, story, no <laughs> justification, blame, shame. <laughs> listen to it come on we need to we need to own it we need to be absolutely honest because you can lie to me all you want but the cells you can't lie to the body no you can't lie to you it's the only place we know there is truth <laughs> mm-hmm. so we have to go so if you're eating you know a ton of sugar and telling me you're drinking fresh juice mm-hmm. you know it's just a it's just crazy to think that we, and that's, a, I think, a big part of it is, and are you ready and willing? And also, I think there's a there's a kind of speed that you can do it at as well. You know, it's very tempting to go, oh, I need to change everything. And then, of course, that becomes a lot more debilitating. Yeah. The is if you have got children and you have got a job and you are tired, um, you know, you, you have to just go, right, what can I, what feels right for me to change at this moment in time? Yeah. Just, the body and get into that place of trust mm-hmm. rather than um I mean when I did Gerson which is without a shadow of a doubt the most how can it what's the word radically different way of eating that I've ever done mm-hmm. so I was going to say challenging but it wasn't actually that challenging for me because I'm pretty good at going well I'm going to do that and that's it if I decide I'm going to fast I just fast I don't greet about it I just do it with that but can't wait to get to the outside and see how it feels um, but certainly in terms of hanging out with your pals and going out for dinner, nah, 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 nah. Five months and no salt was difficult. So, mm-hmm. you know, I realised that, and also I'm just me in my house, you know, it was during lockdown, I think, the first lockdown, was it? Is that true? Um, and then also, you know, I saw I could afford to do it and also I, I don't have anybody else to consider. I don't have anybody else in the house making nice food. So I was very aware that that's not the situation for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it is all about finding the protocols that not only do you know work, but that you can actually fit in without giving yourself any more additional stress. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's all the energy around all the stuff that you're doing as well, because, you know, yeah, if that just becomes such a bind, then what are you what energy are you giving to your body you know whilst you're taking all this stuff or doing all this stuff I know, I know. you know um, yeah but it's exciting times because we're getting so many you know more additional help you know via mm-hmm. technology and i'm going to be um giving you a free trial on the the genius insight app so these frequencies yeah. really assist because i refuse to believe that you know it's not possible for all of us to heal, we just need to mm-hmm. find the, the pieces of the jigsaw yeah. and put it all together. 
I think it's just trying, trying as many things as, you know, as you can and to see what feels right for you. You know, I've got a, my little Rife machine plugged in right now as we're talking, you know, and just, um, yeah. So it, like I said earlier, it's never one thing. It's lots of different things. And if you can incorporate a lot of different things into your life, then that's good. Um, but yeah, try and do it in a way that's manageable and not gonna stress you out even more. Yeah, and be excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I love my sauna blanket. I'm like, I'm gonna go into my sauna blanket and do my breath work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I look forward to. So it's nice. To, there are things that you're gonna go. You just have to do that. Get the diet sorted out. <laughs> that mm-hmm. maybe are a bit more challenging. You know, but choose a few things that you can actually go because it's it's taking you to where you want to go. And surely if you thought in a year or two years' time, I'm going to be completely healed, that should be a pretty exciting thing. Yeah. After that, we go, "Mm." (laughs) 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 there's a lot of things that we don't like. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, so it's an exciting, I'm really excited about this, uh, this, uh, tour that we're doing and, you know, really getting out there and getting the word out and sharing this amazing information and I know a lot of the women that will be coming already know a lot of it but I still like we're saying mm-hmm. it's again isn't it there'll be new stuff there'll be reminders we'll have the biofield we'll have the insight apps we'll really get to experience the frequencies of sound and how it affects the cells we'll get to see your electromagnetic field how it responds to the frequencies it's um it's so cool I think what we're <laughs> starting to um understand mm-hmm. and you know Brilliant. It's like seeing is believing. It's like that's you. Yeah. I know, <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you know, when I started out on all this when I was in my 20s, there were so many things that I, I loved the the sound of or the idea of, but I struggled with it because I, I couldn't necessarily find the science or anything to sort of back it up. And I was just like, mm, I'm just not sure. But like now there's just so much um evidence and science out there to back and that, up and that helps you know they always say seeing is believing and that is the mm-hmm. case for people in the west but as an actual fact believing is seeing when we believe truly believe that we are this phenomenal micro orgasmic magnificent energy system <laughs> um, that heals itself when we mm-hmm. stop tormenting it and filling it full of shite <laughs> you know it'll respond always and always harmonize what it does it can't possibly do anything else so when we can really truly believe that then that's what we will see so it's almost like we're we're asking for a level of faith in the body Mm -hmm. uh, just you know and and i think the other big thing i'm sure you find this as well is the amount of time you have to give the body time to catch Mm -hmm. up you know you don't expect to go to the gym and look better the minute you come out after one workout it's the repetition and the repetition and allowing the body to go ah right okay we're going this way now you know my teacher the doctor I'm working with in Canada she's saying you know if your microbiome being used to pizza and beer every Friday night every Friday and Saturday night of course when you stop that they're going to be screaming get me the (laughs) that you know that transfer of emotions going to and you're going to feel emotional you know I think the other thing that we you know a lot of people don't understand when you start to detox you will have emotional it'll get challenging but mm-hmm. once you realize it's, that's not you the thoughts aren't you the feelings aren't you 
you, you know, use your techniques to release the feelings, to observe the thoughts, mm-hmm. back into patience, trust and surrender and just let the body do its do. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited about everything that's going on right now. I think it's it's um I feel for 30 years I've been going, there's got to be a nicer way to do this, a nicer way to deal with the body, a nicer way to heal, you know. And I feel mm-hmm. now like really tapping into the potential of that. So definitely. Really, I don't know. So listen, <laughs> great to see you. You're looking fantastic. And oh, I will um well you and myself and Jen are going to come on and do a live as yeah. well in Edinburgh um and t- talk a little bit more about the programme and mm-hmm. um, I look forward to seeing you soon. And yeah. if you will um send me the links and if anybody wants to get in touch with you, anybody that's um on the cancer journey or knows anybody that would like to have a you know a chat with you, yeah. then put that down below as well. Brilliant. All right. Lovely to speak to you. And, uh, Thank you, man. Take okay. care, man. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.